Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Yeah. Bill's Mafia. Don Brown. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey. Who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Like a high Jordan boy, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching it. Folks, welcome into a somber yet hopeful edition of the Crowd Assist Podcast presented by Trainwreck Forest. I'm your host, Wake, joined by Kevin Masseri and former intern Colin Tange. Got a good show for you guys, as always. But before we relive week one's loss to the Steelers and we preview the upcoming game in Miami, must remind you we are sponsored by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case, whether it's wine, liquor, Loganberry seltzers. They got it all. I was in the grass lot on Sunday, and to me, it looked like everyone around me was shopping at Outlet Liquor because it's the only place you can get that amount of alcohol at an actual or reasonable price. So go to Outlet Liquor, make sure your cabinet is stocked and loaded for Thursday night football, NFL Sundays, or just a night in when you want to sit down and unwind with your drink of choice. Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? My outlet this weekend was screaming into a void, asking myself, what the hell happened to what we were doing on fourth down last year? That's it. That's everything. Like, honestly, that's that's where I want to start because I think that's where we lost this game. And if you have a different perspective, if you think we lost it in a different area, let us know. We want to hear your thoughts on it. But I put out a tweet earlier breaking down every fourth down that the Bills faced this uh, week one game. And it started out okay. Fourth and five on Pittsburgh's 19. Field goal. Sure. Fourth and 14 on your own 45. Okay, punt that. That's fine. But fourth and one on our own 46, punted. That's a little weird to me. Second quarter, fourth and third on Pittsburgh's 43, another punt. That's a bit confusing. Fourth and eight on Pittsburgh's 35, we went for it on fourth down. When we have Tyler Bass, who can easily kick a 52-yard field goal, that would have put us up by 10. Instead, Pittsburgh gets the ball back with decent field position, goes down, gets a field goal. Now it's just a four-point game. It was 10 to 6. And then we all know the burrito thing. We all know the blocked punt, fourth and goal, and then you know the field goal, and then the first down conversion with Emmanuel Sanders. That made sense. But still, five out of the nine fourth downs the Bills faced, they lost. And this is just a complete 180 of what we saw last year. Um, you know, Colin, welcome to the crowd assist podcast. First of all, give you the floor. What was, what were you thinking? Just watching what was going on on fourth down for the bills on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, like you said, it's a complete 180 from what we saw last year. This team was highly effective on fourth down last year when they went for it. And this year it just seemed like, um, they tried to get a little too fancy at sometimes they tried to be a little too cute. Steelers games, as we've we've all heard for the past two years and we watch the games, they're close. They're not going to be shootouts. The Steelers have a good defense. The Bills have a good defense. They weren't going to be – it wasn't going to be a close game, and that's how it played out through the first half and at the end of the game. I mean, 23-16, not a high-scoring affair. And, you know, kick the field goal. You get the points. And against the Steelers, you have to get points. 
either you're not going to score a touchdown every drive, but when you get the opportunity to kick, take the points, take them. So kick the field goal there. The fourth and one play, uh, I don't hate as much as everyone else might. I mean, if it works, they, we're praising Dable for an amazing play call. Um, the one thing I, I've heard a lot of people talking about was uh, they weren't in man. They didn't. The guy, the Pittsburgh corner, didn't follow McKenzie. So there should be another option for Josh to check out of it. Either he didn't see it, or there was no option at all, and you just run it. But yeah, fourth fourth down, you have to be better on it. And I mean getting to fourth down you don't want to get there so third down efficiency wasn't that great either but yeah fourth down you, you got to do better yeah it, it was just it was bizarre to watch because as we said it's just it, we had so much success we were much more aggressive last year and it seems like at times and we'll talk about this talking about the offense too but it seemed like to me kevin we were coaching scared which is something we didn't really see all of last year until maybe the chiefs afc championship game yeah i mean they're coaching with like a sense of urgency i think in a way that they were like making decisions that they didn't necessarily need to make like it was mm -hmm. maybe like the last playoff game and you're going in kc again and i think that was kind of still in their head that that this was the afc championship game and they needed to be perfect and that obviously in anything in life that leads to probably even worst decisions the fourth and one play yeah. needed to be a check i mean it needed to be an yeah. alert it needed to be a hot zone you needed to call off that play um mm -hmm. they read it they had seen something on tape and it was pretty obvious based on their look uh you know they had a quarterback basically eyeing in on that play the willis mcgahee play i don't love it there in that time in that place easy to run up 21 um you know mm -hmm. like the bills did previously not the time and the place to, to pull out that play if they liked it i wish they would have tabled it uh, maybe use it up 14, up 17 in a different scenario later on in the year. Um, I don't like it week one in that specific spot, in that specific place. Don't hate the play call there. But I do believe special teams is dedicated to 11 players. Um, they do have like almost nine, seven or eight roster spots specifically for this. And I don't think they came through. I need more out of Jaquan Johnson on that pump block. He didn't read it very well. Um, you know, outside of an Isaiah McKenzie return to open the game, special teams was poor all the way around. Um, the punting unit was awful, last ranked in the league um, and slat yesterday. And that's I'm, – I'm not even getting the punters anymore because I don't think Piorquez is particularly any good either. Um, but but it, was, it was a joke from the special team standpoint from punting the football. It was awful. McKenzie actually let one drop that cost field position at one point. It wasn't good anywhere around. They were kicking everything out of the end zone. It wasn't good on the special teams unit for a unit that dedicates roster spots, running backs to it, receivers to it, and others. So, yeah. And I think I, I think Etienne would have gotten that first down. <laughs> yeah, so, do, I mean, so does Tommy, by the way. Tommy, Tom, Tommy was very upset about that fourth and one call of Burrito. He was. He was basically <laughs> doing what he's doing now thinking that ETN would have gotten the first down 110%. I, I do think oh, that God. running back showed to be an issue to Kurt's point. I think running back is continuing and cornerback are continuing to prove to be points that you need to, to actually do something about. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and running back and cornerback, we're both going to touch on. We'll do, we'll do running back next since Kurt brought up Travis Etienne. But the, the one last thing I want to say about that one fourth and one call, the, the, the burrito play that we'll never forget now um, is that, if it wasn't fourth and one, I don't think I would hate it, to be completely honest. But on a fourth down, you know, you have Josh Allen, you have Stephon Diggs, you have Cole Beasley. You have three players who are in the top 100 NFL players. And say what you want about that list, but if you're voted into the top 100, you're put in there for a reason. 
So the ball should be in one of those people's hands. Meerkat is saying, just run with Josh. Yes, it's fourth and one. He probably averages five yards a carry on QB sneaks. I'm not even kidding. So honestly, it, it kind of baffles me that they even even if they read it, even if they read it, even if they're going to get a yard. Exactly. That Cowboys one that like that, that is, that is the prototypical, you know, Josh Allen QB sneak. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a shootout in hockey when, when the game's on the line, like it was really for that play. Uh, and yes, of course they had opportunities after it, but you need the, you need the puck, you need the ball with your best player. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I stand on it. If it was like a third and one play, I honestly would have been okay with it. Um, but you know, it, unfortunately it wasn't. Uh, moving into cornerback or running back, actually, because that's what Kurt brought up. Um, I don't think we should overreact and say that Devin Singletary's RB1. And I don't want to be like a downer on him because I think he had a good game. We can all agree that Devin Singletary had a good game. But his his best carries of the game came when the Steelers were probably doing the Sean McDermott philosophy of defense. Okay, sure. Let them run it for 10 yards a clip. They can't do that when they get into the in, into the red zone, into our end of the field. We'll let them do that to move down the field. We'll stop them with our corners them with our secondary they won't pass it into the end zone so they were obviously allowing that to happen or even if they weren't they just weren't thinking we were going to run the ball there because that's not the bill's mo so credit to Devin singletary for making what he could out of those carries because he did look good yesterday that's one of the few bright spots of the game however i wouldn't expect you know 6.5 yards of carry throughout the season for him colin you haven't been on the show you know since draft night right uh -huh. when we didn't draft etn um so so you know you know maybe and zach moss was an inactive haven't even talked about that yet 10 minutes into this show you know when you heard zach moss was inactive did you think that that in singletary would kind of be featured like that or did you think that you know it would be more about a pass heavy kind of thing and it was kind of a mix of both i guess but yeah when when we pulled up when we were uh, I don't even know what the name of the place was where I was at Calgate, and <laughs> we just kept waiting for the inactives to come out because you know we got fantasy teams to take care of, we got fantasy teams to look at, make yep. roster switches. But then we saw Moss was inactive. I'm like, okay, it's the Bills. They're they're going to be a lot of passes, a lot of passing downs. Throw the ball to Brita, get him in in there. And then it mm -hmm. seemed like Brita wasn't even in there for a lot of the like first half, and then that fourth and one play, it was like the first time I really remember seeing him out there. Yeah. And you know Moss. He's not a pass catching back, but in my he he's a very good pass. Um, what's the word I want to use here? Blocking. Yeah, he block. Yeah, he can block. Yeah. He can protect the quarterback and help you there. And if you're gonna send out, we played so much five wide, and with the, yeah. against the Steelers, that D line they have is so good. It, it would have been nice to have him in there. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you want to have a good pass catching back when you have a passing offense in Brita, but. I think Moss needs to be out there next week, especially like yeah. Kevin said, we're, we're dedicating a roster spot to Taiwan Jones, who's strictly there for special teams. He's not out there to go out and run the ball for five yards or catch a screen pass or do anything. He didn't get one offensive snap, put Moss in the game fourth and one. If we're not Josh Allen's and having a sneak there, turn around, hand off to Zach Moss. Who's your big back that you drafted to be that power, power guy, give him the ball, see what he can do. Uh, it, it is kind of frustrating to see that, you know, this guy that we spent, uh, a draft pick on last year. He's not like he's like a five-year veteran where he like let's yeah. give him a day, day off per se, put Breed in, see what he can do. This is a guy we we spent a draft pick on last year, and he's an active week one against a team where you know we need a we need a guy who can step up and take on those defenders who get past our line because I mean mm -hmm. we'll probably talk about the line was not good at all. So <laughs> yeah. having no, Austin yeah. there definitely would have helped. And I mean. 
yeah, Singletary, he had a good game. I mean, he, he didn't have a great game. He didn't have a bad game. But he had a game that, you know, in a in a game that the passing game is clicking, Singletary, that game he had on Sunday would be perfect. It would yeah. flow right in perfectly. But since the offense wasn't clicking with Josh Allen throwing the ball, we kind of put a lot on his Singletary shoulders when the offense wasn't passing the ball well and it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, and and Kevin, I know like you and I, we're, we've both been a little displeased with Zach Moss through his first year, but I think even even we can agree that Zach Moss should have been out there for pass blocking. Sates statistically the best pass blocking running back in all of the NFL last year as a rookie, no less. And the Bills decided that that wasn't an important piece to the puzzle. They decided that they yeah. decided that they'd rather have five in the block. They don't usually keep tight ends in the block. Um, they decide they'd rather have five pass-catching options on any eligible play for Josh Allen. That's what they determined to be statistically the best way to win. Um, it's hard for me to dog Zach Moss inactive too hard um, because I don't think he's very good. Um, he is their best pass-blocking um, running back. They don't keep him in the block, though. Yeah. Um, when I would expect is, at least Reggie Gilliam to be in there doing it, and they didn't even I'd have him do it. I'd expect Reggie Gilliam on the fourth yeah. and one play, like yeah. they were running in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're not going to play, especially when Moss enacted, the play yeah. was Josh Allen's snake gets it every time, Tom Brady gets it every time, or yeah. a uh, Reggie Gilliam run. I mean, it's not wow. rocket science. They overthought mm -hmm. it. I mean, it should have been an alert check. should have been a handoff to McKenzie if it was a certain read that they didn't like there. There should have been something going on. And just like the previous, um, the flea flicker, which was totally third and one and then not going for it after um, yeah. calling that. And then they had an eligible receiver standing at the first down line as well. There's only digs out on the route. It's triple covered. Like, I mean, I don't know <laughs> who's going to complete that pass. It was especially once it was not fooled. There's no check down option. There was. He was standing there. I just don't know what the play design was on that. I don't hate flea flickers. Definitely yeah. don't like it in that situation. Definitely don't like it when you're not going for it. Very awful game by Brian Dable. We've seen these kind of games pop up from him before. The offensive line wasn't prepared against their defensive scheme, which is Dable. Um, you know, if you want to blame Bobby Johnson for some reason, I'll listen to it. Um, no preparation there. Um, the running game, it, it, the, the play design was not there for me. The aggressiveness wasn't great. Yes, some of it is on Josh, but it is still discussed in meetings. It is still a game plan. It is still put together by your offensive coordinator. Not a shining moment for the offensive coordinator who's willing to take a uh, 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 head coaching job soon. And maybe that was some of the reluctancy of some teams for some reason that he was too aggressive um, that, you know, I, I don't know. But we saw some of it on Sunday, and it wasn't great. I need more yeah. out of the running game. I, everyone can say like, well, Harris didn't do anything. Well, I predicted that in the pregame with Jenna. I was like, well, I'm not really yeah. worried about Harris. I really don't think he's going to do anything. Um, that's not why they won the game. So even with star out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even yeah. with potentially one of their best pass uh, uh, run stopping defensive nose tackles, not in he didn't do, I mean, he didn't do anything. And those keyed in on it and they made a couple of key plays mm -hmm. against a terrible cornerback to win the game. Yep. That's all that happened for them offensively. Every play was targeted to the worst player on the field. And that's what happened. Now, yeah, when you look you, on yeah I, honestly, you, you say every play was targeted to him. And I have a screenshot, which is why I interrupted you, because that's a perfect time to bring this in. Uh, here, just, you know, from Pro Football Reference, all the stats of, you know, targets, completions, yards of target and everything. Levi Wallace was targeted almost double as much as any other corner. Now, he didn't, that being said, he didn't have a 
terrible game, but he was a bit of a weak link because that's who they targeted when it did matter the most. I plus will say 50 it, passing yards plus falling over his own feet. So yeah, that, that fifth, the falling over his own feet was easily what, what kind of set it over for me, but credit where it is due 3.2 yards per target is not bad. That's actually like pretty good. You know, so like, you know, he didn't have the worst game. He didn't have like a Levi Wallace game there. He's the reason we lost, but you know, he was the guy they were going at when, you know, when it really mattered the most. If we're going to put blame on like anybody, it, it really is like you can put the blame on almost any given player, except for like Dawson Knox, who had, you know, for the first time in his career, he caught 100% of the targets thrown to him. And he actually looked good, you know, all else too. Um, but, you know, no one really played their best game. That being said, Colin, I know you are a little less sour on Levi Wallace than Kevin is. So why don't you state your case? Because there's been a lot of, between Kevin, Meerkat, all the guests that we've had on through the offseason, there's been a lot of cornerback hate on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not super high on Levi Wallace. I think he's a serviceable cornerback, too. Um, that touchdown, yes, he's getting targeted. The touchdown, he's in He's in good position. It's a bobbled pass, uh, bobbled catch. Deontay Johnson makes a great catch, getting his feet in. That, that's, I mean, not much more uh, Wallace could have done. He's getting targeted a lot. 3.2 yards. I will. I do want to say on that, the Steelers' offense is not throwing the ball down the field. I think the highest on that was Trey White, and we don't see him like play up a lot. He does back off. So like the 7.7 on White, 6.2 Teron Johnson and uh, Micah Hyde there. I mean, those are relatively high, honestly, for the Steelers' offense. There's a lot of take two, two, three step drop back for Ben and get it off, get a quick slant. So, I mean, I don't want to say that like Levi played a great game because of the 3.2 yards, because that that's what the Steelers offense yeah. is. It's going to be, it's going to be a quick pass, quick out, quick slant, whatever it's going to be. Um, but yeah, that uh, I, I still, I'm picturing Kevin's tweet in my head where the, where Wallace slips and that just that looked <laughs> so bad on him. But I mean, he's serviceable. I do like him a lot more than Josh Norman. Um, I do wish, I mean, we, last time I was on here was the draft. We're all hoping they get a cornerback. They don't, yeah, And so we kind of go in thinking, okay, they, they must really like this guy, Levi Wallace. He's undrafted. He went to Alabama and he's, he's proven himself for us to be the cornerback too over the past few years. But now it's kind of seeming like even we saw it last year near the end of the season, that's all I mean, in a tough spot for the other team's offense. They're going to target Levi Wallace. They're obviously not throwing the trade white side of the field on a third and seven because I mean, what are the odds? Claypool had a great catch on on White. That's mm-hmm. that's not going to be Bulldozed him too in another play, I think, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're going to go at Wallace, and I mean, it might be. I mean, it, it is really early in the season, but I mean, he's got to get his game up. Or I mean, preseason it was was it really a cornerback battle? They say it was, but I feel like now, even playing him and he's getting targeted all these times. The Dane with Dane Jackson out. Oh no, no, he, he was, was in. Active. He just wasn't. He just wasn't targeted. That's these. Okay. Are the, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, give you got to give him more of a shot if you want. Dane Jackson was he was limited throughout most of the preseason, but if Levi's out there again targeted and is six out of ten, like that's not not great. You want to see him breaking up more passes. Mm-hmm. The give, key thing give, to this to this chart that I'm looking at is the hundred quarterback rating on Levi Wall. So. I'm not as concerned with the yards per target because Mm -hmm. drive starters can happen toward him. You're allowing the quarterback to get comfortable because he can't break in his own. He can't break on his own. You are allowed to get the game in rhythm for the quarterback as proof by a hundred quarterback rating, not a perfect statistic. One that I like to look at. I am impressed by his ability to tackle. 
I think that's why he's in the game because when the quarter, uh, when the receiver makes the catch and or a running back comes into his area, he is decent at tackling. Um, you know, we saw a couple of misses from Trey Wright there, really bringing down. You know, everyone laughed his PFF score this week was Trey White, um, and it's because he missed some bad tackles. Like I'll call it. what it is. I'll yeah. call it what it is. He he got shook once, and then I think the Claypool catch was really a great catch. That's a good football mm-hmm. catch to me. Yeah. Deontay Johnson's that's a cornerback not knocking the ball down. That's him continually not looking back for the football. It is not an automatic penalty like they tried to make it seem again on the broadcast. It's not an automatic penalty anymore. But you need to look for the ball. You're always constantly looking at your feet or looking at the receiver. You're always in in, in a run or a run set because you're not, you know, you're not athletic enough to be yeah. able to look at the quarterback like other potentially good cornerbacks are you're always in a chase type of 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 coverage um which is interesting because the team likes to play zone but anyways levi wallace struggled so a lot of those numbers aren't accounting for the big game-changing plays in there on penalties um including a really not even the pass interference which was 50 50 to me the holding was bad he had no reason to have a holding call and continue to drive as well that end zone pass, I mean, great play by Deontay Johnson. I, we talked about John. I think he's one of their best players and will continue to be so. Did he's roll around go. on the ground like a soccer player earlier in the game, like he was <laughs> super hurt, by the way. We'll leave that for a different story, which was a little concerning. That's what, what I expected from a soccer team. Um, so not overly impressed by his last. The I other I don't football. Know. Yeah, he bounced back up and ran back on the field, literally like he was trying to get a foul call in soccer. But anyways, um, good concentration by Deontay Johnson to, to reel that in. I'm going to say the talented receivers, every Bills player makes that catch, in my opinion. Yes. I think Dave Davis makes that catch. I think, so. I think that Isaiah McKenzie makes that catch. I think that Stephon Diggs makes that catch. I think Emmanuel Sanders makes that catch. I hope. He bobbled it up in the air to, to, to a guy behind him. Like, yeah. great footwork, good concentration. But from a good receiver, they make that play. Got his hands on the ball. He needs to knock it down like you yeah. saw. The, the Pittsburgh cornerback able to do in this game as well. A lot of people are like, well, the offensive line was bad. You can't just blame Levi Wallace. And, I, and I'm not saying it's not his fault that the team had a blocked punt. Um, but of course, yeah. Your defense is expected to play at a certain level. Their offense isn't great. You're stopping the run. You were specifically targeted and you didn't do good in your reps. You didn't do your 111th, in my opinion. And your defense is looking to take another step. And they have a winkle link at the cornerback two spot. You need to come up with your place. It's not like it wasn't like um, they made some miraculous plays and their offense is super good and you can't blame Levi. It was literally like he plays a little bit better. The team wins the game because he, he struggled to me. And yeah. Pittsburgh defense wasn't perfect, but they were good. And you didn't see any glaring holes mm-hmm. anywhere. So I'm going to I'm going to want the same thing from the Bills and say, well, Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. defense can play that good. I'm going to put a little bit of problems on Levi Wallace because the Bills decided to inactivate their second-round defensive end and not address the cornerback position. So, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit upset by that at that arrogance that you were willing to play a $1.6 million cap hit player that yeah. no one else wanted. And then, you know, you decided to put all this money and, and resources and everything into defensive end, still only gets two sacks, and he's still inactivate every year as second-round defensive end. Yeah, and I imagine that, yeah, that's funny. Second year in a row, they have a second-round defensive end not be active in week one. Um, I, I imagine they think it would have been much easier to cover up the deficiency at CB2, if you want to call it that, if the pass rush actually got home. I think that – because that's that's the difference between the two 
defenses is both played very, very well, actually. Both played like top 10, maybe even top five units in the NFL. But one D-line was able to hit home because – and that stopped young cornerbacks, which Jenna Harner said when we had her on last week. That's her biggest concern about the Steelers' defense is the young cornerbacks. And 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 we didn't have an opportunity to test it. You got to ask Colin or, or, you know, anyone on the show, you know, is – the offensive line of the bills are that bad or are they really with ingram and healthy like their defensive lines that good like let's look at it like that and i've seen others people say kurt say like no one's gonna have that personnel yes Dion didn't look great they have that uh, pass rush pat personnel the bills spend a lot of time and assets in it and don't right isn't that isn't that the best way to put it mm, yeah the the line i've heard a lot of people talking about it the line didn't play that great. We all know that. The penalties on Dawkins, not good. Not the situation you want to have those in. But, I mean, Cam Hayward, he's a stud. All right, TJ mm-hmm. Watt's the be- one of the best. He's probably the best defensive edge rusher in the league. All right, and then you got Melvin Gordon, who they signed. Not Melvin Gordon, Melvin Ingram. Sorry. I used to do that all the time. <laughs> Melvin Ingram, he's no <laughs> slouch either. And when he's when they're rotating guys back and forth, TJ Watt's on one side, then they put Melvin Ingram on you. He's got a completely – different package it's tough and you know we're talking wake and i he was texting me earlier he's like we're just where we're going to talk about looking forward what are we worried about i'm not worried about this for the dolphins game i'm not really worried about the line like going forward as a whole i mean last year these are all the same guys but they didn't play that much together last year either a lot of the guys were hurt part of the year morris was out feliciano was out so going forward not for the miami game i am interested to see if they have a strong game against the miami front seven how they react. So they had one bad game against a good Steelers front, a great game, say hypothetically against an average Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins front. In week three, they got Chase Young and that Washington football team front seven coming in. Well, that's a very good defense. So I'm curious to see how over these next two weeks, they kind of bounce back from one of the best defensive lines in the league. And like you said, wait, mm-hmm. that pass rush hitting home really made those corners and defensive backs for the Steelers look good. I mean, we, they, they have Joe Hayden. He's getting up there in age. Minka Fitzpatrick's one of the best safeties in the league. You can't mm-hmm. deny that. But when you have a pass rush that's getting, getting there, and the Bills, they're not the Steelers' offense. They want to air it out. They don't want to have Josh step back two steps and then throw a slant to Diggs. That's not our offense. So when the yeah. pass rush hits home and you force Josh to move up, move around, and they contain him more, then the cornerbacks look better, and they – the Bills didn't pass for Josh and go for 300 yards and three touchdowns like we all expected, maybe like we all wanted him to. But I mean, yeah, that like you said, that the defensive line kind of helps make the corners in the defensive backfield who they are. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there, there are a few more things to say about the offensive line. One, one bright spot, Cody Ford looked good. Okay, Cody Ford looked good at guard. If we're gonna take one good thing away, that is it. Is that Cody Ford looked good at guard against one of the best defensive fronts that we will see all season long. Um, also, you know, how far removed is Deion Dawkins from his battle with COVID? Like, I'm not going to say that that is impacting him and that that is why he did not look good at all yesterday. He may have been the Bills' worst player, to be completely honest with you. But, I mean, you know, just like a month ago, didn't Sean McDermott say that Deion Dawkins is nowhere near being able to help this team? Like, I don't know if you go from your coach saying that. I was saying be- he wasn't going to play week one after that comment. I didn't. I was like... Can he play? He was I thought awful, we'd see Spencer Brown way. starting week one. Yeah, he, yeah. he was awful. I mean, well, he didn't Rick, look good Rick at all. He came out and said that COVID, I guess, wasn't a factor in how he played, which I find I very hard to believe. Yeah. Maybe he's I just mean, trying to be like, oh, you know, like 
if, if he said it was, then then comes the question, why did you put him out there in the first place? And I feel mm-hmm. like he could be dodging that a little bit. Mm-hmm. True. Why would you and, play a guy with COVID coming off of COVID could have concerns? Was that the right decision? I yeah. think that would have came up, came around, came around mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. yeah. Man, well, I forgot the other point I had about the offensive line, but you know what? You know, we'll move on from that because I feel like Twitter has been banging that 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 drum to death for us. Um, moving on, but to you, Brian, but you can talk up to wrap the whole Pittsburgh game up, and do it before we me. move on, wrap yeah. it up by saying this: they didn't play that much different than they did last year. The biggest no. difference here was they got a blocked punt on an awful read by Jaquan Johnson and E. Farwell, and an mm-hmm. awful coverage call. And they threw a pick six to, right before that. It was like three three. They they threw a pick six to end the first half last year. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference yeah. in this in this entire game. Josh Allen's numbers were surprisingly similar: fifteen for twenty four yeah. for two hundred thirty yards last year, thirty for fifty one for two hundred and seventy yards in a touchdown this year. Not incredibly different there. Um, a turnover both games. It, it wasn't much of a difference all the way around. And like I think Greg Thompson said, it was literally came down to they got the block punt. And exactly. we just missed a block punt earlier in the game. Literally, I don't know what happened there. I don't know how that's not a block. I thought it was a block. I, he just mm-hmm. didn't want to rough the punter. That's where roughing the punter saved a block punt. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I hate to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it much. Actually, I'm going to say it and then move on so we don't talk about it anymore. It's just the officiating was bad all around. It was bad. Like, they missed calls on the Steelers. They had bad calls on the Bills. They had calls that should have gone both ways. Like, realistically, both teams benefited and didn't benefit from the officials. So I'm not going to say it because officiating is just as as inconsistent. In this this game, it affected the Bills more. And even people that don't complain about the officials – yeah, can can see the the five holdings that led the league. Awful calls. I mean, there were really? two or three I agreed with. There were two or three that were just egregious mm-hmm. calls. And the holding on the Trey White pick really could not. It, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't have been. It was tic tac. It really was. Um, the only thing we haven't talked about yet is is Brian Dable. And uh, you know, the point I had is kind of moot by the offensive line struggles because that's why Josh Allen wasn't able to you know stand back there and let plays develop for most of the time sometimes he looked like second year Josh Allen kind of scrambling around not knowing what to do back there that wasn't his fault though my my friend who was sitting next to me like he said like this looks like sophomore year Josh Allen right now sometimes um but you know the the biggest difference Kevin says you know they were identical games there's one stat that kind of says everything. And it, it brings in the offensive play calling question marks. It brings in the bad offensive line. Last, this week one game, Josh Allen had an average depth of target on his throws of 8.7. Okay. Last year, in the same game against the same team, it was 10.8, which means that in the game last year, his throws were traveling 25% further. That is how we beat the team. We were able to test them deep. We weren't able to test them deep once outside of the deep shot that he took to Emmanuel Sanders that he genuinely just missed. Like that was it. Everything else was behind was before the sticks. It was like short out routes that the sidelines. They were people sitting in short zone spots. Like that's not how you beat a defense like this. You have to show the willingness to test them. There were throws like Emmanuel Sanders going down the same seam that he that Josh Allen missed him before. You know, Josh could have made that throw, but he just wasn't the first read. I feel like maybe they should have called more plays, and I don't know that they didn't. I have no way of knowing that, but I feel like they should have called more plays where that first read was someone on a deep shot or something because at least test them. Maybe throw more, throw a few more balls. Make them think you're going to be testing them deep. Like that's, you know, they, they weren't worried about the deep ball whatsoever yesterday, uh, and it really showed how they were forcing the Bills to stay so close to the line of scrimmage. Um, but – that's it on the Steelers game. My dad's happy they won. 
we all are clearly not. So, Harry, good for you, not for us. Moving on to the Dolphins game. I know we uh, we got about 15 minutes before we got to get out of here. We will also be previewing the Dolphins game tomorrow night on the Folding Roundtable with the Buffalo fan base. Lisa Johnson, great friend of Robin Mundy, godmother of Bills Mafia, will be joining us for that game for that uh, show tomorrow night before Thursday night football. So make sure you tune in 7 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere you see that show. But We'll talk about it here first a little bit. Uh, Colin, uh, you know, you won't be on the show there tomorrow night. So, so you know, give us your thoughts. We're going into this matchup, first divisional game of uh, of the season. What are you looking for? Who's maybe a player that, that you think could have an impact on this game? Maybe build off of something from week one. Um, I think the obvious answer here is Josh Allen. I mean, he's, he's owned the Dolphins in, yeah. in his career. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to see how this team bounces back. Uh, we all had high expectations expectations for them potentially going into Kansas city four and oh, that'd be a great game to maybe boost a five and oh, and you go to Tennessee and you see what happens. But now we're and one, we're traveling on the road to Miami. And I'm curious to see how this offense is going to respond. Um, one good thing, I guess, if you want to have some optimism about the Steelers game is that the other teams in division did not play great either. I mean, the jets are the jets. We, we mm-hmm. saw that coming. Um, and then the Patriots Dolphins game, it was 17 16 final. Tua didn't look like he's t- ready to take Yeah, the better team there. lost that game. The better yeah. team lost that game, which is good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Tua, Tua didn't look ready to take that next step like the Dolphins kind of need him to do. If they're going to get into the playoffs this year, they just missed out last year. Tua has to be better. And he wasn't as great as he needs to be. So that that's encouraging. I want to see this defensive line get more pressures on the quarterback. Um, I thought they played well in the Steelers game. Obviously, Harris stuffing him was was huge, and their Steelers offense isn't uh, going to take take a lot of dropbacks. But we talked about it earlier. One guy that needs to be better is obviously Levi Wallace. All right, this Dolphins receiving core is good. All right, yep. Will Fuller's playing in this game. He wasn't in the Patriots game, so we'll see how he kind of meshes with Tua. Jalen Waddle is a freak athlete. He's, He's so fast, and mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how they kind of match up and how the Dolphins are going to line up against our secondary with Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, and Will Fuller playing now, and Mike Gusecki, who is kind of like, was he even there on Sunday against the Patriots? He didn't do that great, and we kind of expect him to be – he's probably the best – we'll see how Smith and Henry play. He's probably the best tight end in the division. So we'll yeah. see how – and we saw the Bills in the Chiefs game last year. They couldn't contain the, the tight end, Kelsey, and obviously Kelsey's – world's better than Gasecki, but this off this defense, mm-hmm. the secondary needs to be able to keep those speedsters in check because Will Fuller, he's brought in to be a deep threat. Tua doesn't throw the ball deep, so I don't kind of see how that makes sense. But yeah. Wild's fast. He's going to burn you on those crossers. And if, like Kevin said earlier, Levi is, even if we're playing his own coverage, it seems like he's always behind a guy. He's always trailing him. If we're, they're doing crossers and Wild's crossing across the field, Wallace isn't keeping up. So if the defensive line can hit home, it'll be better for the secondary, but the secondary has to play better. Yeah, if the defensive line can hit home, it'll force Tua out of his first read at least a few times. And I don't know if you everybody saw the J.C. Jackson quote about how all he does is chuck it up if he doesn't get his first read. That's all he does, and that's why he gets picked off, or you know, it was something to that effect. And then there was the one guy, and I can't, I don't know who it was, but I'll, t- I'll find it on Twitter and I'll give him proper credit. Um, put out a TikTok of him breaking down to his first game and JC Jackson comments and how they're actually extremely true because 
Tua is targeting his first read. He targets his first read, I guess, like 76% of the time. And his QBR when he's doing it is like, you know, like a 90 or something like that. It's pretty good. You know, he's a good quarterback when he knows where he's going to throw the football. But when he doesn't know the 10% of the time where he actually has to throw to a second read, his his QBR is like below like a 40 he literally just chucks it up. All his, most of his bad plays in week one were like that. So if Greg Rousseau can maybe hit home, if anybody, if Ed Oliver, you know, he had a tackle for loss early in the game. He kind of quieted down after that, but it was good to see that. That fired up the crowd at Highmark Stadium. That was an amazing play to watch in person just because it got so loud after Ed Oliver did that. You know, if, if the defensive line can just shore up just a little bit, that, that Dolphins O-line was one of the worst units in the NFL last year, and they didn't get much better. Like most offensive lines or defensive lines in the NFL or this year, you know, they valued continuity over adding new players and kind of how it didn't benefit the Bills. It's not benefiting the Dolphins either. So, you know, maybe we have to be able to force Tua into his second read. Mike Gusecki, I mean, you know, he even, even call it garbage time because it was garbage time in most games against the Dolphins in Josh Allen's tenure, but you know, he dices up the Bills' defense a little bit when he can't. Even Fryermuth, he had a crucial third down catch. I think that was the one catch that that Edmonds let up the one time he was targeted yesterday for 24 yards. I believe that was the, the Fryermuth catch. Gasecki's a lot better than Fryermuth. So, you know, I, he's definitely someone that I'm worried about a little bit. Kevin, are you as worried about Gasecki or are you more worried maybe about the Dolphins' trio of wide receivers? I mean, I'm a Gasecki fan, drafted him in, in some big money league. The problem is the Dolphins aren't using him. 21 snaps yeah. um, yesterday or Sunday. Wait, what? Smythe had 38 snaps. He barely snapped their third tight end, Hunter Long. It's not, for some reason, not favorable in the offense without Ryan. And people Patrick think Brian Flores is a good coach? They're, he's their second tight end by by all accounts so um so yeah and that's with uh, a couple of tight ends not playing as well that they like as well so uh i can't be as worried about a guy only getting 21 snaps i'm sorry i, I think the player's not. talented love to have him in buffalo um only 18 receiving snaps not gonna overly be too too worried about that going to be a target this is his last year in miami i would love to see him be one of those interdivisional players who signs with buffalo oh my god and tommy's even pissed off that they don't use mike gasecki and he's a bills fan he's he had a couple of applesauces so he's really going good um (laughs) he had three applesauce pouches which hold about 12 grams of sugar each and he's letting me know now um how he feels (laughs) about that but, I mean, Kaseki's just not getting the playing time. I'm not overly concerned with him. But to the, the offensive line point of the Dolphins right now, Eichenberg played. Already going to the bench, though, for Austin Jackson. was said that it was only going to be a one-game start for him, um, which is always bizarre. I'm not sure what the story is there. Jesse Davis played okay at the tackle position. Robert Hunt was awful. Uh, couldn't get out of his own way in the running game. Um, mm-hmm. Solomon Kinley was okay. Michael Dietler played pretty poorly as well. Uh, it's the center position. So there is some definitely interior issues, especially here for the Miami Dolphins. Bills are strong in the defensive tackle spot, at least right now. They need to get some interior pressure with that Oliver. Great game he had. That is a key to this game. I don't think that offensive line is very good. And what are they going to do with all the receivers? They have, for me, they don't even know how to share their tight end spread. And now they're going to, you're going to tell me that you're not going to take, give Albert Wilson snaps. You gave 22 snaps to alone. Yes. You like Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle. But now that you have Will Fuller coming back, how are they going to spread all this out? Not enough snaps in this offense to go around, guys. I'm mm-hmm. not overly impressed. New England should have won that game. Being unbiased, don't care either way. New England should have won that football game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark Schofield would probably tell us as much and be able to break down to a little bit more. But 
yeah. quite frankly, I cannot even be the least bit concerned with this Miami Dolphins offense without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Miles Gaskin always seems to score particularly high, third-ranked running back in the league um, on Sunday. Not sure really why. They love him in the run game. They love him in the receiving game. I don't but, think he's great. Um, good flex running back to have on your fantasy team. Only took 29 exactly. snaps as well. They spread it to Malcolm Brown and Savian Ahmed. Um, you know, I'm not concerned about this offense. If this team gives it. the Bills defense <laughs> troubles, there's something more that we'll need to talk about in this, this next Wednesday. I can't wait to talk to Lisa tomorrow on the round table because I got to know if she thinks Brian Flores is a good coach. Cause I just, I can't see it. There's just so many, uh, well, I won't talk about Brian Flores. We'll not talk about Brian Flores. We'll say, I think one area I, I would love to see Boogie Basham active for this game, especially with how they are kind of tackle heavy on that offensive line. Boogie is one of those guys who can literally line up anywhere, at least in college. He could line up anywhere on the defensive line. This seems like maybe it's a good opportunity for Sean to squeeze him into the lineup because he sees that this kind of plays to his strengths a little bit. I mean, Flores loves his DBs. I mean, that's the one unit yeah. he's the reverse builds. I mean, he just sunk a ton of money, yes. energy, time, assets. Like, like literally, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, Mac Jones, I'm looking I'm, – I, granted, I did not watch this game. I am box score watching right now. But he went 29-39, 281 yards, and a touchdown. Only got sacked once. If that's a rookie quarterback going against this team, I mean, I feel like we're going to – same old Josh Allen, you know, you know, adult, you know, squishing the fish this weekend. Um, you know, Damian Harris had a good game. Maybe we see, maybe we see some Devin Singletary. Maybe we see, you know, more, more running, you know, as opposed to, you know, a pass heavy offense, which I am totally fine with as long as it works. I don't care how we score. I don't care how we get the yards. I just care that it works. Um, you know, it, Colin, do you think maybe going into this game, there's an opportunity for the, we need to run the rock more crowd to get what they want? Um, that's a tough question because I think for this team to be successful, it all starts with Josh. And mm-hmm. if they're going to go into this game after the game that he just had and kind of stay away from him and give the backs more touches, I don't know what that would do for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think they, they need to go out and start this game off, even if it's just quick five-yard outs, five-yard hitches. I mean, we talked about it earlier how he wasn't throwing the ball down the field. But to start the game, at least, get him into a rhythm because he couldn't yeah. find his rhythm in the game on Sunday. And, I mean, it kind of killed us because when we're not up and we have, we're kind of forced to run the ball because the passing game isn't working, it just it doesn't work. That's not what our offense is geared towards. So I saw Harris. I like Harris. I got kind of into a, an argument with the Patriots fan a couple weeks ago, and he's like, mm-hmm. Harris has the potential to be a top-10 running back. But then he told me rankings are all opinionated and only for fantasy, so I don't know where that statement came from. I like. I said, he said, <laughs> Harris is better than any back the Bills have. And I, I think I, I agree with that statement. I, I like Harris. It could be true. It could be true. And, and he had a good game, and that offense is more geared towards uh, a rookie quarterback. All right, they're always Patriots always have a, a handful of running backs that can get the job done when it needs to get done. And Harris mm-hmm. is the guy who's probably a little bit better than what they've had in the past, who's doing a little bit better. So if Singletary can go out and run for 50, 60 yards, but Josh can throw for three hundred, so be it. That's that's what mm-hmm. they do against the Dolphins, and I hope to see that on Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, James White, obviously he's going to be James White and get catches, but he had six catches for 49 yards. So I'd like to see maybe, you know, the Dolphins were not good against running backs last year. They are not so far being good against them this year. So I'd like to see maybe, you know, 
get some get, get Devin Singletary some better targets because when he was getting targeted it was kind of like it, it looked like a Tyrod kind of offense where he was getting targeted within like three yards of the line of scrimmage he was running out of bounds anyways and then the one he kind of fumbled out of bounds anyways which was just ridiculous in its own right um but you know uh, I know we are up against the break here uh Kevin is there anything else maybe you know you think people should be get, keeping an eye on for this Dolphins Bills game this Sunday I mean, I think it's the propensity of Tua to make mistakes and the Bills need to be bait him into it. I mean, that's, I mean, Sean McDermott didn't, isn't going against a savvy vet in Ben Roethlisberger this week. He needs to be able to, and Sean McDermott generally does good. The worst the quarterback is, Sean McDermott really, really excels. And that's like, oh, yeah. duh. Um, but no, specifically <laughs> with a Sean McDermott driven defense, it's not always true either. Like sometimes rookie quarterbacks can have good, good games against, against good defenses. Not the case with Bill Belichick but definitely not the case with, with Sean McDermott either. Very good against average quarterback play. Actually, there was a stat that that I think was prior to last year. Really, Sean had never really beaten a good quarterback um, in some respects. So we saw a lot of that, that kind of come to fruition last year. Um, but he does particularly well in his zones and his game plans against poor quarterbacks. I think we'll see it this week. And I think the Bills really need to make get the turnovers. They talked about it all week. They talked about it on Sunday. The turnovers were the biggest issue yeah. on defense of what didn't come for the Buffalo Bills. Yep. You know, you know, one of the things that Leslie Frazier said in one of his final press conferences of the season was that they need more splash plays on defense. Really didn't get any. Really did not get any. They almost hit home. Two sacks on and one strip. That's not enough. That's not yeah, enough. Colin? Mm-hmm. And one last thing for splash for plays. Uh, I was at the game Sunday. Yeah. That 75 yard return by McKenzie. I mean, I said we got to get points against the Steelers against against a team like the Steelers. We got to get a touchdown on that in that situation every time. It has every to be time. a touchdown. You can't settle for three after, especially home op- home opener. Crowd's going crazy. First game of the season, you get a big return like that. Touchdown. You have to end that drive in seven points. He's got to bounce that out for a touchdown himself. Yeah, literally, yeah. he could have. Yeah, yeah, he does that. That. Within the first minute, you have to have seven points on the board if you're going to start a game like that. So you go to half teams, up fourteen nothing. I mean, I mean that yeah. that's huge. I mean, just like the Bass field goal, they could have taken there in that spot. Think you need to use in good weather a kicker who can hammer it. Be up seventeen points at that point, or seventeen three. It might have been at that point. I can't recall. Um, you know, it would have been a huge lead at that point to really put them away and really be able to handle a bad punt snap where your own where Jaquan Johnson's job is to protect that play. He doesn't do it, guys. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so lots to look forward to, but they need the toxic differential in their favor next week, Mm -hmm. and specifically against a quarterback who's severely outmatched um, against a decent Miami defense. So they need the toxic plays, and they need to get after the quarterback because they've sunk $80 million plus and six assets into the defensive line needs to be better as well. Yeah, needs to finally start paying off. And, and you know, Kevin and I were banging the table for that all of last season. If it doesn't by the end of this season, we're really going to have some questions about, about this defensive coaching staff. But good vibes only right now. We got another Bills game day coming up this Sunday. Of course, we'll be live before that game. We'll be live after that game. And tomorrow night, we'll be live on the folding round table with Buffalo fan base. I know Joe Miller from Buff Rumblings is going to be with us. Robin Mundy, Mookie Hawkins, Kevin, myself. And Lisa Johnson, who covers the Dolphins, is going to give us an inside look at, you know, so what's been going on in Dolphins camp and her perspective. Maybe she thinks the better team actually won. Hey, they're winning won. the division. They're they're, winning they the are. Division. Hey, scoreboard, scoreboard, yield it to the Dolphins. I'll do it. But that will do it for us here on the Crowd Assist Podcast. Thank you, Outlet Liquor. Thank you, Picasso's Pizza, their cup and char pepperoni. Oh, I dream about it almost every single night here on Long Island. Thank you, Kevin and Colin. For everyone at Trainwreck Sports, Wake Jackins here. We'll see you next week. Good night now.